G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Rise and Shine, Rise and shine. with Robbo and Becky on Vision. Robbo with you, and John Mackay is with me. The creation guy is here again. Welcome to uh, uh, 2023, John. Happy New Year to ah, you. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you too, Robbo, and to all our Vision listeners out there. So good to have you with us again, and uh, glad that we've caught you, because you're about to head off. Mm-hmm. In fact, tomorrow you're flying into Victoria for a week and a bit. Uh, but uh, keen to talk about this new uh, little booklet that you've printed um, called Loving Her, Loving Him. This is a, a nice sort of one, because you mentioned you're going to be at a wedding on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So well, this is sort of like your uh, your sermon uh, notes, really is it? It really is. It really <laughs> is. When, when this young couple asked me to preach at the wedding, because they came, they got to know each other at the Easter camp I ran last year in Victoria, in one of those little isolated places where you could get into Victoria with yeah. and through COVID. But I was thrilled to do it. And then I thought, well, not just a sermon. Let's turn it into a week of devotions for a young couple just married. So oh, nice. That's what it is, loving her, loving him. And it's based on all the scriptures about God's love in us and us loving each other. And, of course, 55 years of being loved by my darling wife is, mm. is, is all in that little book, A Week's Devotions. And it will turn into a bigger book eventually. But loving her, loving him, hot off the presses yesterday. That's fantastic. So good. I mean, I'm reminded of, I mean, in the Bible, you know, when, uh, I mean, <laughs> the Jews love to party, didn't they? I mean, they don't no, do anything yeah. by halves. So when you have a, a wedding in Israel... Like it was a seven-day feast, wasn't That's it? So exactly you had like right. a seven-day you know, festival and everyone celebrated and partied for we, the week. We couldn't afford to do that today. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, you'd be uh, up for a mortgage for that. But uh, here we go. So this is sort of like the seven-day wedding the feast seven that you've got there. Feast. You can uh, have a little devotion uh, together. So whether it's for newlyweds, but as you mm-hmm. say, I mean, really anybody can benefit right. from this sort of thing, can't they? Everybody can learn to love the way Jesus loves because he said, Love each other as I have loved you. And he set the example for us. It's not just emotional, touchy-feely stuff. Yep. It's real practical, down-to-earth, mm. in good times and in bad times, which exactly. so many marriages today forget all about. Yeah, that's a good point. And so, yes, yeah, some really good uh, uh, principles that you can pick up from this. So this is available, I'm assuming, from your website. How do people uh, get this? Not yet. We just we just got it delivered to the office. Oh, yesterday. wow, so okay. It will sooner or later. Okay. We may even let Vision d- d- deal with it as well. Nice, so. okay. Well, look, I've got a copy here. Can I give this one away? Is that you all right? You can give that All right. One. Well, look, if you want a copy of this, Loving Her, Loving Him, uh, from John McCoy, a series of daily devotionals on love and marriage, seven days, uh, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. Of course, that's the number to call also with a question for John McCoy, but I'll uh, just randomly select someone that calls this morning uh, to give this uh, to. But to call through with your questions for John McCoy, the creation guy, 1-800-316-316. Maybe you've got a a marriage-related question. I mean, mm-hmm. we've had such a breadth of questions for you, John, over the years, but I'm not sure that we've ever had too many questions about marriage. But no. look, throw them at John this morning, and I'm sure he will do well to answer. 1-800-316-316 with your questions. We're caffeinated and ready to face the day. This is Rise and Shine on Vision. Robbo with my good friend, John Mackay, the creation guy, who is with us. With some show and tell, I always love when you bring some show and tell. So if you're on Facebook this morning, jump on to Facebook. You'll be able to see uh, this plant that John's brought in, or mm-hmm. plant, depending on which state you live in. Uh, but <laughs> what have you got to, to show us this morning, John? Okay, Robert, today I bought one of my orchids. Now, it's a beautiful plant, but an unusual one. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, just a reminder for those who weren't listening in today, we did orchids uh, and, and evidence for creation. Um, the word itself is named after a part of the male anatomy, the testicle. Oh, really? Uh, that's orcus in Greek, right? Now, okay. we won't discuss much about that. <laughs> I uh, didn't know that. No, most people don't. But it is an interesting plant because this one here, uh, you can see the green leaves come up. Yeah. Well, that makes it hard to grow because it loses its leaves. It's one of the few orchids that loses its leaves in wintertime. Okay. Now, if you try to water it like most people do in wintertime, you'll kill the thing. Oh, uh, right. It doesn't need water. It doesn't need food. It's just bare-leaved in winter and grows these bright green leaves in summer. Oh, well. And you'll see there's some weird-looking flowers coming off that mm. most people think, that doesn't look like an orchid. <laughs> well, it is actually an orchid, and its name, Robert, is catacetum, mm-hmm. C-A-T-A-S and catastrophic. 
as in cataclysmic, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's related to something that goes bang, pop, bust, or explodes, right? Yeah. And this one explodes to shoot its pollen. Now, you're going to take a photo close up later so yeah. that folks can see this, but actually on this orchid, you've got a place where the pollen is at the end because this is a boy orchid, right? Mm-hmm. The girl orchid looks totally different. Wow. Okay, most unusual plant. And then at one end, I'll put my finger on it. We'll get a picture of it later on. There's a trigger. Yeah. Right? Now, what happens is the bee that fertilizes this actually bumps into the trigger and bam, kapow, the the two bullets, the, the little pollen bags, are all of a sudden shot onto the bee's back. Wow. Now, this bee... Uh, this sorry orchid never misses. It, it's the most accurate bee shooter in the world. That's amazing. And it shoots the bee in the back just where it can't scratch the pollen off. Because, you know, ordinary bees will jump into flowers and they'll get pollen all mm. over them. Not this one. It's got two unique bags of pollen. And if they get anywhere else except for the one place where the female is built to take them off, it won't work. Oh, the female... Yes, it doesn't look like this orchid at all. In fact, you'd think they were even unrelated. Mm. I'll get him balanced up here. But when the bee goes looking for another orchid, it will smell the same thing as the, the male one, but it will go into the bee, the female one, and the pollen will get caught in a little groove, and then all of a sudden the lady orchid will go pop, and she'll pull the, or pull the p- pollen off. Mm. So first of all, the poor bee, he gets shot at, right? And then he gets <laughs> just ripped off. Yeah, that's right. He gets robbed. <laughs> that's right. So it's quite an amazing orchid. And, that's incredible. And, and you can actually say God really does have a great sense of humor. Yeah. But if you and I tried to invent a six-gun that shoots bees right in the middle of the back so it never comes off, yeah. never penetrates the bee, is stuck until a lady orchid can actually grab and pull it off, you'd have to say, in miniature that's genius level, oh, and that's what God's work really is. So that this is a so catacetum orchid. Pray for us as we grow the orchids at Jurassic Park. Come and visit us sometimes. We've got a whole orchid display there, and at my place too. That's incredible. And, I mean, that for me, I mean, I think about, I mean, you would have scientists that would say that that male orchid and the female orchid and the bee all happened independently through random chance over billions of years, yeah. and yet the reality is that they've literally been designed with incredible intricacy that's right. to be able to do all that. I mean, that's, that's right. otherwise the orchid couldn't repollinate and, right. and continue to survive. Like, it's just fascinating. Just on the front of the orchid, so it can't be too far out or too far back. It has to move just where it will hit the trigger. The pollen has to shoot the bee right in the middle of the back. Yeah. Can't be anywhere else, right? And then the female's designed to go, rip! Yeah. Just in the right place. Incredible. It really is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Incredible. And all glory to God for being such a great flower design. That's it. Incredible design. So true. That's amazing. Well, as mentioned, check that out on Facebook. I will put some uh, close-up photos Mm -hmm. of that, uh, the little uh, triggers there uh, for you as well in the comments. But uh, check that out on Facebook. But give us a call. If you've got a question, maybe that triggers a question for you this morning for John, something that you've been wondering about. Uh, Or maybe you've got some other question for him. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, on 1-800-316-316. Call through and have a question with uh, John Mackay, the creation guy. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. So good to have John back in the studio. He's going to be here for another uh, 90 minutes or so yet, but uh, asking you to call through with your questions for John on 1-800-316-316. And that's what uh, Max has done. He's got a question for John Mackay. What's your question, mate? Well, my question is generally, uh, one just wants to know uh, how to manage some forms of conflict in marriage, you know, um, where there's so much, um, uh, I mean, each person is so opinionated and um, how do we sort of help come yeah. to uh, some yeah. form of uh, agreement or, or truth? Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. John, what do you, how's your, how do you okay. answer, Max? Normally, in any sort of conflict, it pays to be willing to give a bit of ground, right? So that instead of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, uh, backpedal a little bit and say, why would you actually even say that? You know, uh, w- what grounds you got? Or uh, if they're a Christian, say, look, let's have a look at God's word and see what it says. Because remember, Jesus was in conflict all the time. Mm. And the first thing he would have done was say, Lord God, Heavenly Father, put your words in my mouth. Now, I do a lot of debating, and debating is all about conflict, right? <laughs> and sometimes my enemies yeah. are very conflicting. And I really have to say, Lord, 
I need your wisdom. Because if you look at the wisdom Jesus had, it was simple, it was very, very relevant, and it was unbelievably mm. clever, mm. right? More clever than mm. a, a, an ordinary human being. So I've been amazed sometimes when I've listened to the answers that have come out of my mouth and said, Lord, that's really good. I must remember, remember <laughs> that, right? So yeah. be a man yeah. of prayer, right? Be a man of prayer yeah. who's willing to say, okay, let me help you with this, mm. right? Here's why I would think okay. this way, right? So uh, always start off uh, not on the back foot, but on the throne, on your knees, right? So start there in the morning, way before you're liable to have an argument. Because <laughs> let's be honest, we are all sinners. We are all cantankerous wretches, uh, half of our life, because yes. we don't like losing arguments. Yeah. I like winning arguments. My dad yeah. loved winning arguments. Yeah. Um, so just yeah. be, be humble in prayer because of that. Mm, that's a good good point. Thank hey, thanks for the question, Max. It certainly is something that I think we Thank all you. challenge with. I mean, God's got a sense of humor, doesn't yeah. he? He puts oftentimes people that are polar opposites together, <laughs> and then you sort of have you yeah. spend the rest of your life working that out. So uh, appreciate that, mate, and I pray God's blessing on you and your marriage. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank, Thank you, you very much. By the way, if you're interested, that uh, booklet is not yet available on our website, but there is a product there which we've been promoting for years, a lecture. Uh, called The Creation of mm-hmm. Love and Marriage, which is on the video site. You can download it as a yep. MP3 or any of those sort of things, and that's a very good uh, help as well with these things. Excellent. All right, well, check that Thank one out, Max. It's at uh, creationresearch.net. Thanks for the call, mate. Thank you. Give us a call with your questions for John Mackay. We've got a bit of a marriage thing developing because obviously you've got this little booklet here, Loving Her, Loving Him. Uh, by the way, congrats to Deborah. She was the one that uh, got through and uh, won herself a copy of that book. But uh, if you've got a question for John, it doesn't have to be marriage-related, but to anything really, uh, you can call with your question right now on 1-800-316-316. Just the right mix of things to inspire and things to make you smile. Rise and shine on Vision. John Mackay, the creation guy, with me in the studio. Uh, check out Facebook, by the way. There's a video there of an amazing orchid that John's brought in this morning, which... Uh, just the design of it blows me away, the way that uh, you know, it literally shoots pollen onto the bee and then the bee goes to the female orchid and then it you know, extracts it off there in you know, an amazing way. Uh, but check out the video. All the details are on there. And I'll put some uh, close-up photos of some of the little bits of that as well on there uh, shortly. But it got me thinking, John, about, I mean, you're talking about a male orchid here mm-hmm. and there's a female orchid, obviously, that uh, is required for the whole pollination process. Uh, You've got that sort of built-in creation in plants. Obviously, we're male and female. Even you know, animals are the same. Um, how does that equate with, you know, these days you would have people saying, well, I can choose my gender, I can change me. You've got people that change back and forwards, you know, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Is that even, obviously, this orchid isn't going to say, well, I, today I want to identify as a female <laughs> orchid. Like, how does that work? Like, I mean, you know, gender is sort of built into us, isn't it? Yeah, gender definitely is built into, like, this orchid here is a classic example. It not only won't change, it cannot uh, choose to be a male or a female, right? Any more than a human being makes a conscious decision to say, I will change, and the thought actually does something for them. It doesn't change their external genitals or their internal stuff, whatever. They may chop bits off, Mm. but it doesn't actually change their gender. So when you have a look, the bottom line is not what you look like at the present, whether you think you've got bigger or smaller bits that, (laughs) that you want to get rid of, But it says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. Mm. Now, this is not true for some of the worms and things like that because one end of the worm is male, the other side is female, right? Now, if you're a worm, that's ideal because they mate head on. So they need to have opposite genders uh, uh, on both creatures. But if you're a human being, you don't mate head on at all. Mm. It wouldn't work one bit. So you'll find that each gender, each grouping, each sexual distribution – is made according to the God who said, I made them in the beginning, male and female. Now, when I was a student at Queensland University, I took genetics as well as geology, did it just because I wanted to find out how gender particularly worked and some of these other things. And they were having all sorts of interesting discussions, particularly amongst the student body, who were saying, well, I wish we were horses, right? Um, because the stallion will bite uh, the female and get her to do what, what he wants, Right. And then the girls would say, no, we should be spiders because after sex she eats him. Right? <laughs> yeah, and, right. and you thought, well, this is stupid. Uh, I could pick anything I liked, but in reality we should pick the gender that God has given mm. us. So when, when you look at gender, start first with in the beginning God created and he made them male and female 
and that really is the end of the argument. Yeah, that's right. right? That's where you've yeah. got to start. And that's where Jesus went, wasn't it, when they yeah. quizzed him? Uh, I was just the other night reading that in the Gospels where uh, they were talking about marriage, but he said, mm-hmm. haven't you read in the beginning? God? And so he actually went back to that passage in he Genesis did. as well yeah. as the foundation. He did. Um, and then I'm reminded of the psalm that says, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. Like if we actually identify as being God's creation mm-hmm. and saying God's made me who I am, you know, we're, even the bits we don't like or, yeah, we might yeah. feel, you know, I wish I had curly hair but I've got straight <laughs> hair, all that sort of stuff. Like God's made us who we are and how we are, mm-hmm. and if we can just embrace that, that would make a huge yes, difference. it really does. In fact, some of the most miserable people I've met are people who want to be somebody or something else, right, instead of saying, thank you, Lord, for what I am, because in everything give thanks. Mm. If you're out there and you're gender dysphoric or some of these words that are used, then start to remedy this situation by saying, thank you, Lord, for where I find myself. Mm. Thank you for being me. Thank you for helping me to be what you want me to be. Now you'll find that makes an unbelievable, a heaven of difference, right? Yep. Not an earth of difference, not a world of difference, but a heaven of difference because everything in this planet, your desire to be the right thing is a starting place by giving thanks to God for where you're at. Mm, excellent. I love that. A great response there. But uh, look, I want to hear your questions this morning on 1-800-316-316. John Mackay is with us for another hour or so. So call through 1-800-316-316 with your questions for John Mackay, the creation guy. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. It's Robbo with John Mackay, the creation guy this morning. And taking your calls on 1-800-316-316. Uh, Bob's given us a call. What is your question for John, Bob? I just wanted to know if um, God has made everything look old in reality to, to confuse people who are unbelievers. Um, to give you a comment then, God has never done anything to confuse people unless they choose confusion themselves. So that the atheist, the agnostic, the Bible says that when they turn down God, when they cease to give thanks, Mm. then God will turn them over to foolishness. Now, it's not that things have changed for them. It's just that they can no longer in their sinfulness see things as they really are. So number one, don't say God has made the world look old to confuse the atheist because that would make him a, a trickster. Yeah. That would make him someone who was doing things that weren't actually real. It's the person themselves who chooses folly. So this is quite a common thought down through the centuries um, so that you'll find that the Catholic Church had that idea. They borrowed from the Greeks the ideas of fossils and then they added God to it to say uh, the, the Greeks said God, the, the fossils were tricks and then the Catholics said well, God has put the fossils in the earth to deceive us and to actually um, play tricks on us, none of which are true, right? God never plays tricks on you. He tells you the truth so that you'll actually acknowledge him and be saved. So be very careful of of accusing God of ever playing tricks about anything. And when it comes to the age of something, put yourself back in the Garden of Eden when Adam was first created. Would he have seen an old earth? Well, you can't know what an old earth is unless you experience age. Adam was there looking, you know, 22, 23, whatever age a mature man would have looked at creation, but he hadn't been there more than, you know, since the morning break. So he had never experienced age. When young kids ask you, how old are you? You've got to answer in terms of, they have no idea what 27 is. I mean, I remember telling my daughter, I was going to be 35 at the next birthday. And she said to me, is that before or after you're dead? (laughs) She had no concept what 35 was. So therefore, when God made everything, he made it very good. It would have appeared as it was very good. It would not have appeared old because you didn't have an idea of what old actually was Mm. until you'd lived a fair while. And even then, you would not have lived long enough to make a silly comment about the world being millions of years of age. Okay, so God always tells the truth. Don't fall for those who want to attribute falseness uh, of any sort to God. Mm, excellent. That's a great response. Hey, thanks so much for the call. Great to hear from you. Okay, thanks very much. If you've got a question for John, give us a call, 1-800-316-316. Pinky's called through today. What's your question for John, mate? Hey, John, a um, bit of an outside-the-box one, but um, I think I heard you say once that the oxygen level was uh, a great deal higher back in the, in the start of creation than what it is now. Does that have any contribution 
to the, to the aging of people at all. Like, you know how back in the typical days, they were like three, four hundred years old, and, and as it's gone through, we get less and less on our age. Uh, have you got any thoughts on the aging process? Okay, uh, go one step further ahead. In some medical processes, they'll use a, a, a tank, a, a tank that's actually oxygen rich, and keep the person in it because a you you heal faster if the oxygen can get to your wound, b you re recover better if the oxygen gets easier because these tanks, these barometric tanks, have actually atmospheric stuff at a higher pressure, so it's easier for you to breathe. Therefore, your heart isn't working as hard. Therefore, it doesn't wear out as fast. So don't be surprised in a world, even if it was marginally higher, 1% or 2% max, right, you would find it easier to live longer because you don't have to work so hard to pump the air through your lungs, to pump it through your heart, etc. So yes, it would have a big implication. And remember, when God made the world good, uh, it, it, that included the amount of oxygen. That included the amount of CO2. That included the total balance of, of the air in the atmosphere and the means of producing it, such as the, the uh, plants and the, the uh, plants in the water would produce oxygen to a much marked, improved degree, and you would benefit. I thought that um, it might have a contributing factor about uh, like the... Because it's a known thing that our atmosphere is a little bit different now. Um, and I think you, you you actually said that the trees are more healthier now uh, with the atmosphere they've got because of the uh, more rich, rich food supplies, uh, like carbon dioxide or whatever they um, turn into oxygen. Yeah, you, you will uh, find so, yeah. that in, in the fossils, many of the uh, beads of amber, you know, the resin from the plants, you often find a different percentage of oxygen in those higher than what you find today. So there is trace uh, logic behind that and evidence that the plants would have done better. See, plants breathe in oxygen um, in the nighttime, breathe it out during the daytime, so you really don't want to put the forest in your hospital ward, ward room at night because <laughs> you're both competing for the same thing. But uh, in reality, uh, the easier your body gets oxygen, uh, particularly as you age, uh, some of you may have noticed that as you age, your skin is getting thinner, it takes longer to heal, uh, etc. But oxygen improves all of those things. Hmm, that's fascinating. Hey, thanks so much for the call, Pinky. It's a great question, mate. No worries. Thank you very much. Good morning, Vision Radio. Who are we speaking to? Anne from Labrador. Welcome back, Robbie. Hey, Anne. Thanks. Good to hear from you and Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. <laughs> What's your question for John Mackay, Anne? Uh, my question for John Mackay, the creatures that lived in the sea, um, did they die in the same way as the creatures that lived on the land? And if they uh, did, li uh, if they did live, um, are they the same? To are they still the same? Some of them still the same today? All right. Um, when you think of Noah's flood. It was, a, and I'm assuming yeah. that's what you're talking about in terms of death of the yeah, creatures. Yeah, that's what I'm talking yeah. about, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah. the flood was sent to kill all the creatures that lived on the dry land, right? Yeah. It was not yeah. sent to kill creatures that lived in the water because if you think about trying to kill a whale, it's an awful job yeah. if you're trying to do it with yeah. water because they're, they're having a whale of a time no matter what, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you will find <laughs> that yeah. um, using water to kill water creatures is not, not really going to work. In fact, I honestly no. suspect that what happened is as the flood is building up to God, letting it go and kill all the life on the land that breathed the breath of fresh air, there's the definition in Genesis chapters 7 and 8 as to who was killed. Yeah. That's why the land creatures only had to go on the ark. That's why God didn't have to round yeah. up two blue whales and put them in an aquarium yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. So you'll find yeah. it's, it's concentrated on the land it's concentrated on yeah. human beings, but the creatures in the yeah. sea are not really mentioned at all, and it would be a very ineffective way to kill them. Nevertheless, yeah. Yeah. having been on this earth and having been subject to the curse of Genesis chapter 3 and death having passed upon all of creation, from Genesis chapter yeah. 3 onwards, death began to affect both humans as well as animals yeah. as well as the creatures in the sea. So don't be surprised yeah. at the start of the flood when it says the fountains of the great deep broke open, there are going to be creatures in the sea 
who will pay a high price. Mm. Now, if I can make yeah. a comment here that most people don't appreciate, when you look at your puppy dog fighting your pussycat. Now, they should love one another, right? But in reality, yeah. the Bible says man's sin has passed on the whole of creation. So if you want to blame anybody yeah. for the puppy dog fighting the pussycat or vice versa, it is our fault. We sin uh, yes, and sin right. has yes. affected everything, including many yeah. of the creatures that would have lived in the sea and at the edge of the, the, the land in those days, as the mud poured off the land, yes, undeniably, yeah. quite a few of the fishes and that would have actually been been drowned in mud, mm. but many of them, of course, who were a little further out, would have managed to escape uh, and, and not be not be killed off in Noah's flood because yeah. it, it wasn't yeah. a good way to kill water creatures yeah. at all. Yeah, that's no, a great response. Oh, thanks so much for the yeah. question, Anne. It's a really good one, and uh, yeah, appreciate your call. That's okay, Robert. Bye. Let us know what your questions are for John Mackay, the Creation Guy. You can call through 1-800-316-316. Always encouraging and always fun. Rise and shine on Vision. And uh, so uh, loving having all your questions coming in. You can uh, call through with yours on 1-800-316-316. Arlene's given us a call. What's your question for John, Arlene? Well, just two things. First, I just wanted to say how relevant um, what John just said about contention. And Mm -hmm. and it probably applies to what I'm going to ask you. Um, There seems to be a lot of, um, I suppose, um, teaching at the moment on um, teaching for teachers about the reptilian brain and how to teach humans. Um, How can we address where that might be coming from? I suppose the the research behind that, um, as a Christian, when we're sitting under that sort of teaching, how can we sort of, um, you know, talk about or, or at least address that and, or ask intelligent questions about where that, where that uh, teaching or research is coming from? Okay, start first of all by asking them, tell me what God says about the origin of the human brain. Get them right away from scientific theories and the structure of the brain and the third eye and all that sort of Hinduism and paganism and things like that. Ask them all about Adam's brain, Eve's brain, and the mind of Christ in you. Don't divert to the left or right if they try to answer you. Well, the latest research shows, and you say, well, hang on, I asked you about what the Bible says. Mm. Because when the scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ, there is your solution to, first of all, deficit in your mind. (laughs) If you're troubled by demons or gossip or anything like that, you need the mind of Christ in you. And you need his strength in you to give, so you can give thanks in everything. So ask and insist on them answering. What does God have to say about how my yes. mind works? Is, is that and is, is that the same thing? If you're if you're sitting under that teaching, which is happening in the education department now, mm-hmm. I'm being very specific mm-hmm. here, um, not wanting to point fingers, but just being realistic. How does one? How does a teacher bring that up when they're sitting under that as part of a workshop or? Which, which is happening more and more now, you know. Um, what they'll have to do, to, 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 be, to be brutally blunt, is to say, excuse me, um, what you're doing is giving us evolutionary paganism. I'm a Christian. I reject it totally. Yes, you will pay a price, but you'll also find half the other teachers will say, well, we don't believe that rubbish either, right? And they need yeah. someone to be bold enough. Now, it is totally yeah. evolutionist. Our brain just happened yeah. by accident. And in reality, the Bible says your brain happened because of deliberate creation that was made in the image of God that was holy and righteous. And even though sin has cast a, a long shadow upon it, it is not fixed by it making your image in the image of an orangutan or a gorilla. It's fixed only by restoring you to the image of Christ mm. and let his mind be in you. So you're going to have to stand and be counted as gently as you can because many of these leaders don't know what they're talking about but the people who are running the lectures do. They know that it's evolutionary-based, so feel free to say, excuse me, what history of the world is this based on? Even just a simple question like that. Mm. Is this based on evolution? Yeah, some, something, get, get the conversation going. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it. So, so sort of get right to the point. And go, yeah. oh, thanks so much for the call. It's uh, great to hear from you. Thank you, bye. It can be a real challenge, can't it, you know, with those, uh, I guess, the experts that sort of say this is how it is. Yeah. We need to be, uh, what does it say in the Bible, as wise as uh, 
Gentle as uh, doves and wise as serpents. Is that the, yeah. the right way around? That's the wrong way around, but it's the, it's the right way. I mean, yes. it's what it said yeah. and what Jesus is saying, beware the serpent mind, mm. right? but have the mind of Christ in you because he is wiser than the serpent. Yeah, exactly. Remember he commented on the serpent, it was the wisest creature on the planet. Mm. So don't be surprised he continues to use that picture, but the serpent we want is no longer the one that's Prating around us, Satan is yeah. the wisest man. He's a deceiver. Mm, so true. If you've got a question for John Mackay, the creation guy, give us a call 1 800 316 316. And Cindy's given us a call with a question about salvation. Cindy, what's your question? Yeah, I've said the prayer over a oh, hundred of times over my lifespan. And, um, you know, I've always had a heart for Jesus and God and the stories, but I've never had a close relationship with him and I've always been depressed and um, by, you know, how he says, I'll do this for you, you, you know, I'll give you peace, you know, all this, I'll, you know, help you with your enemies and all that. And I just think there's too much failure going on. And then I get more depressed and all that. Anyway, I was saying to some people who are Christians, you know, I've been watching this Jimmy Swag and I haven't watched him for three weeks because, you know, Oh, I realise I'm just going to go over the same pattern. Just 20 years ago, I did a lot of learning, a lot of watching mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Christian programs, and uh, no change. And you know, I thought that's going to happen again, so I'm not going to waste my time. I already know it. And, uh, um, anyway, I said the salvation prayer. Well, you know, three weeks ago when I did watch him, and I said. Um, I'm saved because I said the prayer and they said no you're not even the devil's belief and they reckon if there's no change which there's not in me you know I don't love the neighbours you know then then I'm going to hell so I thought if you believe in Jesus you've said John 3.16 and asked him in your heart and all that you get to go to heaven there's no you don't have to work at it they said no nah, no change no heaven so I don't, who's right mm, okay can I encourage you to actually Get yourself someone who will pray with you daily or at least weekly, right? Because all of us need someone who will both pat us on the back and kick us in the backside. Um, To be honest, that's true for every one of us. And the sort of extreme sort of um, regret almost that you're feeling is not just, you're not the only one on the planet who feels this, right? If you're a Christian, uh, like when I first went to Romania, There were many Christians there who had to struggle all the way through the persecution, the jail, etc. And to be honest, when you're locked up in jail and you've got no Christian friends, you can go to the bottom of the heap. You can feel absolutely Mm. washed out and down, exhausted emotionally, physically, spiritually. But the minute the Lord raises up someone to come alongside of you, you'll find that two bear a burden better than one does. So if you don't have a close friend, my first comment to you is, first of all, give thanks in everything to the Lord Jesus and make sure you find that particular person who will help get you up, kick you in the backside, uh, slap you around a bit when you need it, right? I mean, spiritually, uh, but <laughs> in reality, make sure you do what I do. And remember when I read that scripture that says, those that endure to the end, they are the saved. Now, there's no doubt about it. Jesus never promised you an easy road. He promised you a tough one, right? Now, sometimes your tough one is, is to have to say, oh, my stupid nature, it keeps doubting. Well, many of us are like that, just more or less along the same spectrum. We are sinners. We're all sinners, and your sin is not taken away from you. Your sin is forgiven, right? That's, that's the joy of knowing it, that you have to claim it in Jesus. And even though you feel down, uh, get, the, get that friend, pray daily, pray as much as you can, pray over the phone, and read your word of God every day. I'll be honest, there's some days when I don't want to read the Bible. And often it's because I know I'm going to find something in that reading that I really didn't want to hear. <laughs> right? Sometimes I've had to say, God, you know I don't agree with that, but in the end I'm, you're going to be right anyway, so I might as well accept it and then try and uh, change my life around to, to fit that. So don't give up. Keep trusting Jesus mm. because he doesn't give up. Do you agree with that, Robert? Yeah, yeah that's right. It certainly it can be. It's a... It's a challenge, isn't it, Cindy? Because I mean, we our our emotions and our feelings sort of dictate a lot of uh, you know, how we go in life. But mm. at the end of the day, it's not an emotional no. response. Like I was just listening this morning to Greg Laurie, um, you know, a little while ago. He was talking about the same thing. Like, you know, we can ask the Holy Spirit to fill us. We don't necessarily feel anything when we when we when we do that. But it 
by faith we re- yeah we acknowledge that that's what's happening that God is with us yeah. and um, we walk with Him every day. Now, in my circumstance, yeah. like my wife's got dementia, right? Now, day by day, you feel you're losing them because they can no longer respond like they used to. But as I keep telling her, I made a promise to Jesus to love you, right? Even when they they get to the point where she can no longer love me back, Mm. that promise still holds. And when Jesus made you a promise that if you love me and obey me and keep my commands, I will make you mine, right? So look at Jesus' promises, do a Bible study on promises, and then walk according to his light. Don't just give up. Don't just quit because he's watching, and so are the angels. So yell out for some help every now and then yeah. to him and to them. I do. I, yeah, I phone up for Craig constantly. Good on and, you. Um, yeah, lately I've been told I'm not really going to heaven, and I'm not really saved, even though you say the prayer. Even mm. the devils know the Bible, and they say the prayer too. Well, and yeah. you're not going to heaven. Let's put it this way. If all the people on earth and all the devils and demons were your judges, you'd need to worry about that. But the only one who's going to judge you is the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father, and he's only going to see you through Jesus' shed blood. Mm. So take confidence in that. Write it up on the wall. Write it on the back of your hand. Put it on your forehead like the Jews did with a little tablet and remember it over and over again, even if that's the only thing you can concentrate on the day. Because some of us have really good, clear brains. Some of us are fuzzed from the day we're born, right? And we can keep only one or two things in there. And pray for my darling wife because she mm. she can remember Jesus, she can remember her Bible, but outside of that, things are getting less and less and less. So uh, y- 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 most of us are way better off than people suffering afflictions like that. Yeah, so true. Well, thanks so much for the call, Cindy. I pray that um, that uh, yeah, makes a bit of sense and, yeah, that you'll have some people. I mean, I, it's, it saddens me to hear that your friends are telling you, you know, oh, you're not saved, but uh, I, I pray that you'll have people... Uh, get around you that will be able to encourage you and walk with you, um, you know, in, in a more uh, positive light. So uh, and, God bless and, you. And as yeah, I said, kick you in the I, pants, I slap you around when you need sal- it. Yeah. yeah. I was passing on the salvation message to a few people when I thought I was saved. And um, yeah, on a walk, you know, they'd get an earful of, you know, the salvation, yeah. whether they wanted to hear it or not. <laughs> I, I got to say the story and that was it. And... Um, Then, after I got told about three or four times from different people I wasn't saved, I'm thinking maybe it's coming from the enemy. The enemy's trying to get at me, Mm. convincing me I'm not saved. But it did stop me from passing the message, and I thought, if I'm not going to heaven, then why why get other people to know know the story, and they might not be going to heaven either. Yeah. Well, you can see the the devil's uh, planning that, isn't it? He's trying to shut you up. So, uh, yeah, I pray that you'll have uh, a, a... more clarity and, and um, yeah, be able to sort of push through and persevere because sometimes it is that what you say, John, that perseverance is, uh, is a key. But uh, God bless you, Cindy, and uh, thanks so much for yeah, the call. Thanks. Bye. We'll call through your questions for John McCoy. We're rapidly running out of time, but to give us a call if you've got a question for John, 1-800-316-316. Rise and shine with Robbo and friends on Vision. John McCoy, the creation guy, is with me on Rise and Shine this morning, taking your questions on 1-800-316-316. And Andy's called through. What's your question for John, Andy? I was just wondering, I was talking to the old mummy a while back, and um, she just wondered um, where all the, you know, the black people come from and the you know, yellow people and the white people. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I said, I reckon that was from uh, like after Noah's flood, you know, Shem, Ham and Japheth, where mm-hmm. they were all a different colour. I don't have heard that with, um, with John, like in earlier conversations. Mm-hmm. I've listened for a few years, but yeah, just wondered if you could clarify that at all. Sure. If you want the long version, go to our website, creationresearch.net, <laughs> and you can either get freebies there if you look up race or skin colour or any of those things on our fact file, or you can actually uh, download some videos on the origin of races, history of man, uh, all of those ones on skin colour. Uh, there's MP3s or even streaming these days. I don't know how good old mum is. Uh, <laughs> on this sort of technology, yeah. right? I'm sure you can do it for it. We won't go any further with no, the old bit. <laughs> I figure one of the kids might be better to do it. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, exactly, exactly right. But yes, to sort of uh, give you a slightly longer version than your Shamham and Japheth, you're on the right track. When God made Adam, he was, of course, a uniform colour. And it wouldn't have been snow white and it wouldn't have been jet black. Neither would it have been freckles. I've got freckles, right? I'm every colour 
of the human race on one body. I've got brown spots, white <laughs> spots, red spots, right? And I, we yeah. know it is a degeneracy. Now, we know what's causing each of, yeah, yeah. We know what's causing each of the colours. The red shows through where I have no pigment and I burn like crazy in those spots, right? Yeah. Because the pigment's job That's is to actually too. protect. Yeah, you sound like you've got freckles. Um <laughs> And yeah, then, I've got probably all the colours of the rainbow yeah, too. <laughs> that's right. And then I've got black spots, and not too many of them, yeah. but they do really well in the sun if I could put up with the sunburn in between. And then we've got brown spots, which are nice and even. Now, when we have a yeah. look at the colour of the skin, the percentage of melanin that shows through at the surface governs how easy it is for you to live in any environment. So don't be surprised that we find black people living in, in the hot parts of the world because the white people will die out from skin cancer just like they're doing yeah. in Australia at the biggest rate, right? So if you don't have the right skin colour, you pay a high price. But the interesting exception is you go to Eskimo land, Alaska or whatever you want to call it these days and you find the native yeah. Inuit people, the Eskimos, are brown. You don't go brown because it's hot. You don't go brown because it's cold. You go brown because your body has the right genetic balance for producing the melanin pigment, which protects you from the uh, ultraviolet light. So if you are born with the right amount, like Adam was, you wouldn't have been too dark, you wouldn't have been too light, right? And so it just depends yeah. on what you inherited and what went wrong between Adam and you. And I say went wrong because obviously with someone like me with freckles, it has gone wrong. I have a degeneration in district in the distribution of where the melanin should be. Someone who has jet black skin has real trouble live, living in the cold because their melanin switch is on too high. They can't stop making it, as it were, and they make too much, so they don't do well in the cold. What do I mean by don't do well? I took a busload of Ethiopians, right, in Canada. Yep. I took them on a field trip, and it started snowing. Before we reached to where we were going and the, and the man who was organising said, do you think we better go home? I said, no way. I have been praying for this trip um, that we could actually get this busload <laughs> to where we were going. So we drove for two hours north, right? We're in Canada. And the guy said, are you sure we shouldn't go home? This is a terrible day. I said, I've been praying that the weather will be just right. And we arrived at the spot and the snow on the ground stopped six feet, two metres short of where the fossils were. And I said, thank you, Lord, for that confirmation. But what was even more amazing was we then all got out of the bus. There was a handful of Europeans and mainly a busload of jet black Ethiopians from the hot lands of, of Middle Africa, right? After that, yeah. a very interesting phenomenon happened. The Europeans enjoyed themselves all day, right? They wandered around. They picked up rocks and fossils, etc. The black people, the jet black, because if you've seen Ethiopians, they're not just black. They are really mm. dark black, right? Yeah, and tall yeah, and skinny, right? And yeah, as we yeah. went around, within half an hour, they started getting slower and slower and slower. And then they just stopped, right? <laughs> they could not cope with the cold weather. So it, it is related to how much melanin you've got in your skin. It's got nothing to do with getting it because of the environment. If you've got it, you can live in an environment where you need a lot of it, but if you don't have it, then you can't get it just by living where it's hot. Mm. The best you can get is either sunburnt or a slight tan. So that, that's the real history. Yeah, wow. Start with Adam, beautiful, right colour, not too dark, not too light. Go to Adam and he, go to Noah, and his three sons are three different colours. Then when they separate at Babel, you'll find a concentration of whatever genes you got from mum and dad. And as I said, go to our website, Search race, search skin yeah. colour, or go and look at the uh, uh, videos, MP3s, MP4s, S, um, what do you yeah. call it, streaming these days. Yeah. you find all that and That's more. That's amazing. Oh, yep. So good. Well, thanks so much for the uh, question. Really That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah, certainly check out yeah. creationresearch.net for uh, yeah. lots more resources there. Can I sneak yeah. in one that's related to the last question, Robert? Yeah. Um, someone was asking about the animals in the sea that went on the ark. Just for last Christmas, we bought out a new book, and it's done for the young people and the young at heart, so you may qualify, mate, um, or mum may qualify too. It's called <laughs> Did Noah Take Me on the Ark? 
right? It deals with some of the animals. Didn't know it takes seals on the ark, or didn't mm. they need to go? How about penguins, the guys who are, are yeah. black? And obviously their black coat didn't go black because of the heat in the Arctic. Um, perhaps went black because of the heat in the islands in the middle of the, the uh, equatorial zone because they live there too. Didn't know it take me on the yeah. ark is, is a rhyming puzzle book, so you'll love it. There's colouring in. There's all sorts of fascinating facts about the animals talked That's about. That's correct. So from creationresearch.net, didn't know it take me on the ark. Brilliant. Hey, good on you, Andy. Thanks so much for the call, another mate. Little, can I just, another little quick thing. Yep. Uh, just about your orcas. That was slamming amazing. Um, but um, if you are sort of live on a farm down here, it gets a bit of frost. I don't get frost up that in your neck of the woods there. But if you get down, have a look at a, you know just a bit of frost on a bit of grass, it is absolutely amazing. Like just all the crystals and I can get up mm. real close. It certainly is. It certainly is. The way God sort of um, makes it phenomenal. Yeah, the properties built into H2O. Exactly. um, You know, uh, we know from very close study, and I mean really very close, that it forms an angle of 108 degrees between the hydrogen, the oxygen, the hydrogen, and that 108 degree, as it builds on itself, makes the most magnificent structures uh, when it goes solid, and you can see just delightful designs, even on a, a cold morning on a window when you get a frost cover, the, the yeah. beautiful crystals that grow. So, yeah, yeah that's God true. Has you done, a windscreen. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. exactly right. Well, I don't live in those cold places, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. welcome to it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, good on you, Andy. Thanks so much for the call, mate. God Thank bless. you. God bless you. Hey, thanks so much for uh, waiting. Hi. Who are we speaking to? Oh, hello. This is Carol from Queensland. Carol, so good to hear from you. What's your question for John Mackay? Uh, well, there was an interesting, um, there was a post put on Facebook and uh, I said, well, next time John Mackay was on, I was going to ask a question. Go that ahead. was asked and it, it was about um, cockroaches. They said they don't believe God told Noah to put two cockroaches on the boat. In the ark. Well, it sounds and like so you need to buy a book. <laughs> That's right. We've got a book here that asks exactly that question. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, everyone was discussing then how did the cockroaches survive okay. and all those other type of pests all right, survived the, the flood. The best way you could run a test on this is to get a bucket of water and put a cockroach in it and see how long it lasts. Right. That's if you want to do an objective scientific study. Cockroaches are a most amazing creature. They will survive even nuclear radiation, um, as some kids know, because they've tried it. I didn't do this, by the way. (laughs) They reported back and they said, hey, do you know how long a cockroach can survive in a microwave? (laughs) And I I really didn't want to know, but they did it and said, look, it it lasts for ages. And uh, so quite amazing. They are incredibly um, um, viable in terms of living on extreme climates. And I'm pretty sure even in Noah's flood, even if God didn't pester Noah with cockroaches, uh, they would have had no trouble swimming around finding a bit of stick to sit on, right? They would have done really well. Remember, we tend to think of the, the water being crystal clear and Noah's Ark being the only thing on it. No, it would have been mucky, muddy, etc., and plenty of debris, I'm sure, for those tiny little things to fit on. But you see cockroaches as pests, right? That, that's, that's what's really motivating this question. Mm. And we see them as pests yeah. in the kitchen. But in reality, if you want to see the world's biggest cockroach, you said you live in Queensland, you are where they are at. We have the world's biggest (laughs) cockroaches and they live in the forest. They're lovely black shiny things. They're absolutely (laughs) clean and they clean up the forest, right? So if you put that in your perspective, you will find that cockroaches only live in the septic because you build septics. Right, and they don't naturally (laughs) go for that. They will clean up the forest and keep it lovely and clean. It's part of their task. So Noah, well, I'll I'll tell you what, you have fossil cockroaches nearly a third of a metre long, and Shem probably had a pet one or two, right? (laughs) Uh, They used to be much bigger, and they would have done a wonderful job, and like many of the insects, if they need to, they can hibernate, they can go to sleep, so there would have been no trouble running around. So Mrs. Noah said, I've tripped over another wretched cockroach. Um, they wouldn't have done that at all. So get the perspective out of your head that cockroaches today do what they've always done. Yeah. No, they were designed yeah. to clean up. And so when you leave the poo sitting around in a big container, they will start cleaning it up. Yeah, that's amazing. So uh, good. Well, thanks so much for the call, yeah. Carol. It's great okay, to uh, great to hear you. from you, but I hope that answers your question. Yeah, I've got the answer now. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye.
Across Australia, this is Rise and Shine with Robbo and Friends on Vision. Wrapping up my time with John Mackay, the creation guy. It's been so good having you in again, John. First time for the year, and I'm sure it won't be the last. But uh, great to uh, know that you're going to be in uh, Castlemaine, or Castlemaine, mm-hmm. I should say, uh, on the weekend. Uh, so re- remind us where you're going to be so people can get out to okay, see you. Okay, on the Sunday morning, I'll be preaching at the Church of Christ, Sunday evening at the Bendigo uh, Golden City Baptist, right? And I've got a wedding on Saturday and a Bucks party on Friday night, <laughs> okay. and I've got to preach at that too. So oh, well. praise the Lord for that. So uh, we'll look forward to seeing those of you in Castlemaine on Sunday morning and Bendigo on Sunday night. So Fantastic. pray for the wedding. And uh, as I sh- gave Robbo a copy, we just brought out the sermon as a series of seven-day devotions uh, called Loving Her and Loving Him. Not on our website yet. It just came from the printers yesterday. So yeah. I was hoping, yes, hope it would be ready for me to take tomorrow. So, <laughs> so it's there. So Excellent. that's good. Well, keep an eye out for that because it will be on the website in yep. time, though, won't it? Yep. So yep. have a look out for that, Loving Her, Loving Him. So it's just a little booklet at the moment, but you're developing that into a bigger yes. book in time as well? Yes, we will. Now, you've also mentioned a couple of other um, books do. this morning yep. that are on the store website for us. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. what have you got there? Well, a new one that came out just before Christmas is for kids, and they love it. It's on the dinosaur coloring book for Jurassic Ark. So, Robert, you'd love it, but mm. the little kids love it even better. So... <laughs> puzzles and colouring in and all sorts of things and not all that expensive which is a real help these days and the one we uh, recommended to the lady who wanted to know did fish go on the ark (laughs) and things like that it's called did Noah take me on the ark and there's a lot of fun and a lot of facts in there Mm. and uh, you'll find that if you want to not just know which animals Noah needed to take but some interesting facts about each one of them and why and how you'll find uh, did God take did Noah take me on the ark is wonderful and one last one, because since I was here last year, we, we sold out of this one. Oh, right. right well. So towards the end of the year, we had to reprint it and update it. And it's called Tights, Mites and Fossil Mites. And on the front, you'll see our young Englishman, Joseph. Oh, and we are really thrilled with how our British Museum is going. We had 60 people there last Saturday. And our one in Tasmania is doing well since Christmas. We've had some 700 people at the museum. Wow. Tourist time in Tasmania. That's brilliant. So come and see Jurassic Ark. Have a look at our Tasmania Museum. Go to our English Museum. Uh, look them all up on the website. Pray for us as we minister to hearts and minds and souls. Yeah, so good. Well, the website, of course, is creationresearch.net. Mm-hmm. So you can get all those resources. You can get some of those resources from our website as well, vision.org.au. But, uh, yeah, check that out. You can see the itinerary, of course, for where John's speaking. You actually and... can't at the moment. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's not up. Oh, right. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> Holidays. Can, but you can get in touch with the team anyway through yeah. the website to get those details. But, uh, yeah, be uh, you know active on, on the website because there's yeah. so much there. The, the Q&A and the fact file is just amazing. So check that all out, creationresearch.net. John, thanks again for your time this morning. We do appreciate uh, you being with us and looking forward to uh, hopefully not uh, too long before we have you back again. Good on you, mate. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.